Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies. This episode contains distressing themes explicit language and descriptions of violence. This podcast is intended for a mature audience. Listener caution is advised. They Walk Among Us is part of the Acast Creator Network. Hill is a quaint area located in the parish of Ufcombe in Devon. It is a quintessentially English village, with an old pub, winding country roads, Victorian dwellings and thatch cottages. Around 250 people call Ash Hill home, and due to its size everybody knows their neighbours. Outsiders stick out. On June 13, 2011, residents could not help but notice unfamiliar faces. It was shortly before 10am, and several locals spotted an old damaged red Fiat Punto. It appeared as though the vehicle had recently been in an accident. Two men were inside the car, one driving and one in the front passenger seat. The vehicle was slowly navigating the remote country roads throughout the village and the surrounding area, so unsurprisingly it caught the attention of several people. The strange behaviour of the men combined with the damage to their vehicle raised concerns that they could be burglars, looking for a large countryside home to break into. 
I've got no doubt that if you, if you look at those items, and I think um, from anyone's perspective, if you look at those items, the determination they've shown to come from um, an area miles and miles away, setting off at two in the morning, um, I think it's quite clear that, yeah, they, they had a sinister intention and, and wanted to cause a serious harm. Welcome to Season 7, Episode 18 of They Walk Among Us, a podcast dedicated to UK true crime. That morning, the Devon and Cornwall Constabulary received reports of suspicious-looking men from three concerned locals. Police were told that the men were agitated and behaving abnormally. Locals also provided the registration plate of the car. Officers were able to track down the vehicle on the St Andrews estate in Columpton. In her patrol car, PC Victoria Dixon pulled up behind the vehicle. She could see someone in the passenger seat, but the driver was absent. Seconds later, PC Dixon observed him coming out of a hairdressing salon next to the King's Head pub. The officer climbed out of her vehicle as the driver began to approach the car. The man confirmed it was his vehicle, and he had been driving it. He explained that he was visiting a friend in Bristol, but had got lost. P.C. Dixon was sceptical about the explanation she was given by the jittery driver. She scanned the car, identifying extensive damage that had been described in the calls to the police. With the condition the vehicle was in, the officer inquired about what happened. The driver assured her that although they were in an accident earlier in the morning, The car had been checked by a police officer at the scene. He claimed that they were given the all-clear to carry on their journey. Curious, PC Dixon continued to inspect the outside of the car. She walked to the boot and looked through the window. Something held her gaze. A large samurai sword in clear view was perched inside. She asked the two men to get out while the vehicle was searched. It quickly became apparent to the officer that the two men were in Devon for a specific reason. Bizarrely, they were looking for someone. The sole singer, Joss Stone. Joss Stone was born in April 1987 to parents Wendy and Richard Stoker. A third of four children, she had grown up in financial privilege, a kind of life that most people can only ever dream of. Her father Richard made millions in his fruit and nut import-export business. The family had made a home in a gated mansion in the village of Ashill. By the time she left Ufcombe Comprehensive School, Joss Stone was already well on her way to achieving her ambition of becoming a singer. She had a larger-than-life, soulful voice that saw her hailed in the United States as the, quote, 
white Aretha Franklin. At just 16, Joss Stone had her first hit, fell in love with a boy. The following year, she won Brit Awards in the British Female Solo Artist and British Urban Act categories. In 2005, Joss's parents separated. She did not want to part with the family home she had grown up in and which held so many memories, so she purchased it from her parents for £500,000. I could never live anywhere else, she would later say. In 2007, Joss Stone won a Grammy Award in the R&B category for her collaboration with John Legend and Van Hunt on a cover of Sly and the Family Stone's Family Affair. Since then, she has sold over 14 million albums worldwide and has worked alongside some of the biggest music legends, such as Mick Jagger, Damian Marley and James Brown. At the time, she was estimated to have a personal fortune of around £9 million and listed in the Sunday Times as the fifth wealthiest British and Irish pop star under the age of 30. When she wasn't touring the world, Joss Stone was at her home in Ash Hill. The large property is accessed by narrow country lanes, surrounded by rolling fields. Joss described her home as an open house for family, friends and her then-boyfriend. Guests would open the gate, drive in, open another wooden gate and then walk through the front door. The property was rarely locked, and beside the gates, there was little security. When PC Victoria Dixon spotted a samurai sword in the damaged car, she called for backup. The two men were ordered to get out. They were identified as 30-year-old Junior Bradshaw and 33-year-old Kevin Liverpool. The two men were placed in handcuffs as a thorough search was conducted of their vehicle. Inside the boot, the police found an arsenal of implements, including the samurai sword, a hosepipe, gloves and a lock knife. There was also a black rucksack that contained a roll of black bin bags, some black rope, a hammer, a black and yellow spike, spark plugs, a sock and a carrier bag. In the front passenger footwell, the officers came across a second hammer alongside three black gloves and a black hat. Continuing their search, police also discovered AA route finder printouts listing a journey from Manchester to Devon. On the printed map, one of the men had written, Here, Joss Stone. With the search of the vehicle complete, officers now turn their attention to Junior Bradshaw and Kevin Liverpool. The men consented to a search of their clothing. In Liverpool's pocket, police found something disturbing. Notes that referenced Joss Stone by name, calling her a she-devil in flesh. 
One note referenced a plot to rob and decapitate her before they sought to find a river where they could dump her body. The two men were arrested for possessing offensive weapons, and a search warrant was obtained for the flat they shared in Longsight, Manchester. Inside the property, police found more ominous items, including a pistol, a self-cocking crossbow, and a ball-bearing gun. There were also some more notes which revealed details of their plan for that morning. One read, Jocelyn Stoker, R.I.P. Forever, and I don't just kill for dollars, only for good cause or reason. Another note made references to the royal family. Quote, The Queen, she-devil, but she likes Joss Stone. Invited to Will's wedding by Queen. Where's the sense in that? Written instructions appeared to indicate that Liverpool and Bradshaw sought to drive to Joss Stone's home so they could rob and kill her. The men planned on stealing between £2,000 to £6,000. Upon making the disturbing discoveries, the police spared to Ashill to find that luckily, Joss Stone was safe and well. The two men were caught before they enacted their plan, having got lost on the way to the village. Officers stood guard outside the gates, while Detective Inspector Steve Parker said it was important to stress that no properties have been burgled and no individuals have been harmed. Joss Stone released a statement that night. I'd like to thank everyone for their concern, but I'm absolutely fine and getting on with life as normal while the police continue their inquiries. Junior Bradshaw and Kevin Liverpool were both from Manchester. In the past few years, Bradshaw had suffered severe mental health issues and had spent time in and out of various psychiatric hospitals. He was diagnosed with schizophrenia in 2005 and by 2007 his struggles increased as he began to hear voices. Two years later, he was homeless, untreated and alone, found sleeping rough on the streets of London. He was admitted under the Mental Health Act to a psychiatric ward at Manchester Royal Infirmary, where he was found to be suffering from psychosis. He remained in the psychiatric ward until April 2010. After his release... Bradshaw told staff at the hospital he planned on moving in with his friend Kevin Liverpool at his flat in Longsight. The two men had known each other for over a decade, having met in Manchester shortly after they left school. Staff at the psychiatric hospital raised concerns about Bradshaw moving in with his friend, who had previous convictions for blackmail, battery carrying a bladed article in a public place, and a fray. In 2007, Kevin Liverpool had been stopped and searched and was found to be carrying a knife in a holdall, 
along with a ski mask and gloves. Three years later, Liverpool was given a community sentence with a mental health requirement. Junior Bradshaw also had several earlier run-ins with the law. Back in 2006, he was convicted of exposing himself on the steps of Leeds Town Hall. Staff in the psychiatric ward believed that the two men housed together could cause problems. Still, despite their concerns, there was nothing they could do. As soon as Bradshaw moved in with Liverpool, he stopped taking his medication. In January 2011, Kevin Liverpool visited his local library. Before noticing Joss Stone, he began to research various celebrities, including Cheryl Cole and Beyonce. On YouTube, he found an episode of the television show Cribs, which featured a tour of Joss's home. In the show, the singer welcomed a camera crew to look inside the impressive property. It featured the home where Joss had lived in Devon before she purchased the property where she was raised. It was just a short distance away. That same year, the singer had made a video that pictured her alongside a distinctive pink car with a white roof parked outside. Kevin Liverpool watched another video of Joss performing at a charity concert the Duke of Cambridge attended. Joss Stone and Prince William were said to be friends, and she attended his wedding to Kate Middleton. That afternoon, Liverpool returned to the flat he shared with Bradshaw and set the wheels in motion. Joss Stone's affiliation with the royal family seemingly enraged Bradshaw, and he became obsessed. He began researching every aspect of the artist's life and tried to figure out where she lived. Liverpool detailed every single aspect of the plan in his diary. On one page, he wrote a shopping list which included a semi-automatic firearm, a gun holder, a silencer, and infrared equipment, as well as a ninja sword. On another page of the diary, he wrote, War. Warlord, one pound. And described missions to rob and discipline. Liverpool also listed everything he learned about Joss Stone, such as her place of birth, a biography of her musical career, and all of the albums she had released. He referred to the singer as Princess and She-Devil, and made numerous references to bringing her to harm, with several mentions of decapitation. God doesn't give a fuck, read one of the pages. Protect yourself from this. Remember Jocelyn Stone. When writing about the murder plot, Kevin Liverpool used the slang word wet, which means to stab somebody repeatedly until their clothing is soaked in blood. On another page titled Game of Life, Liverpool had written, Injury, chop off arm, leg, crossbow, followed by Kills, 
decapitate them. In addition to these diary entries, there were further journals which referred to other celebrities, such as Dizzy Rascal, Eminem, R. Kelly and Chris Brown. In the early morning hours of June 13, 2011, Bradshaw and Liverpool loaded up their red Fiat Punto with an arsenal of items. The samurai sword was much too wide for the boot of the small car, and the blade stuck out from underneath the carpet. En route from Manchester to Devon, they stopped at the Michaelwood services on the M5 in Gloucestershire. They filled their car with petrol and attempted to speed off without paying, but seconds later, the vehicle slammed into a metal railing and a mechanical digger that was being used for some construction work at the service station. Staff called the police. Due to the speed at which the two men were driving, the crash caused extensive damage to the car, in particular the front bumper. Police at the scene soon learned that neither Bradshaw nor Liverpool had insurance. Normally the vehicle would be seized if the driver did not have insurance cover. However, because the damage was so extensive, it was decided that it would not be taken away. The sale of the vehicle by authorities would not cover the cost. Police took the view that the car was immovable without significant assistance, so they left, assuming that Bradshaw and Liverpool would somehow tow it away. Officers did not search the car. With the police out of sight, Bradshaw and Liverpool continued on their journey, driving the 230 miles to Devon, where they began searching for Josh Stone's home. The pair knew what the outside of her property looked like, but were not exactly sure where it was. Around seven miles away from Joss's home, they pulled over and approached Alex Greening, a postman on his delivery route. They showed Alex a small photograph of Joss Stone and asked if he knew where she lived. He said he did not. Bradshaw and Liverpool continued driving around the Columpton area, lost and arousing suspicion among the locals. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust proof stainless steel hardware, weather ready teak, and quick dry foam cushions. 
For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Two days after Junior Bradshaw and Kevin Liverpool were arrested, they were charged with conspiracy to commit robbery and conspiracy to commit grievous bodily harm. They appeared at Exeter Magistrates Court and only spoke to confirm their names. The men were remanded into custody. Joss Stone was understandably shaken up by the ordeal and police offered her and her family some expert advice on heightening security at her home. Just days after Bradshaw and Liverpool were charged, she was fitted with a tracking device. The Phantom Sentinel gadget would relay her whereabouts to a security centre, alerting the police if she was not in an agreed location. It also contained a panic button which alerted the police when pressed. Joss had been made aware by police that other people were involved in planning her abduction and murder. However, the authorities could not identify who they were. Despite her fears, Joss Stone was determined to carry on like normal and put the ordeal behind her. That weekend, she was performing at the Hard Rock Calling Festival at London's Hyde Park. Joss Stone spoke with the Exeter Express and Echo and said she found comfort in knowing that her neighbourhood watch was up to scratch. She joked, I have four neighbours. One's a farmer with a big shotgun, and I've got a great Rottweiler, so it's fine. It's all pretty ridiculous. Police standing guard at the gates of Joss Stone's farmhouse. The soul singer grew up in this relaxed rural part of Devon, but today security was the focus at her family home. Tonight, two men are still in custody, arrested on suspicion of attempting to rob and murder Joss Stone. They were detained on Monday, apparently intent on breaking into the family home, armed, it said, with swords, maps and a detailed plan of the house. It was just her good fortune that the plot was so badly executed. In October, Kevin Liverpool and Junior Bradshaw were hit with a new charge, conspiracy to commit murder. Liverpool pleaded not guilty to all charges. Bradshaw was asked not to enter a plea as his defence team awaited the results of his psychiatric evaluation. Bradshaw had been diagnosed with hebephrenic schizophrenia, also known as disorganised schizophrenia, and he had been moved from prison to a secure psychiatric hospital. When he was first admitted... Bradshaw was seen by Dr. Simon Crother, 
a clinical psychologist. Dr. Crowther observed that Bradshaw was highly confused. Bradshaw told the doctor that he was at the hospital to go sightseeing and shopping. Speaking about his patient, Dr. Crowther remarked, there are quite large gaps in his memory from one week to the next. While Bradshaw was seeing the doctor each week, he always came across as though he had never seen Dr. Crowther before. Tests at the hospital put Bradshaw's IQ between 53 and 65, well below the average for an adult, which is a score of 100. Despite the lack of plea from Junior Bradshaw, he and Kevin Liverpool were both ordered to stand trial. With the defence and prosecution preparing for the legal proceedings, both Liverpool and Bradshaw would undergo psychiatric evaluations to determine whether they were competent to stand trial. Prosecutor Simon Morgan shared his concerns that both men were suffering from mental health problems. Morgan said, It is clear that the defendants are not ready for trial. The proceedings would be adjourned until 2013. The recorder of Exeter Judge Francis Gilbert QC had decided that the defence needed more time to explore further medical evidence relating to the two defendants. In March, Bradshaw would finally enter pleas for the first time. He pleaded not guilty to conspiracy to commit robbery and conspiracy to commit murder. The murder trial for Junior Bradshaw and Kevin Liverpool began on March 18, 2013, 21 months since they set off to enact their plan. There was a media frenzy outside Exeter Crown Court as reporters scrambled to get a seat inside. The courtroom fell silent as the defendants shuffled in. Some members of Joss Stone's family were in the public gallery, but she was noticeably absent. The singer was to testify as a witness. During opening statements, Prosecutor Simon Morgan told the jury about the plot to abduct and murder Joss Stone. Morgan revealed to the jury that while investigators had determined that other men were involved in the planning, these other gang members could not be traced or identified. The prosecutor stated, We don't know who the others are, but that does not matter. Your concern is whether these two were part of the plot. It doesn't matter what part they took or planned to take. Morgan also disclosed that the authorities were never able to fully establish a motive. They theorised that the men could have either targeted Joss Stone because of her wealth or disliked her links with the monarchy. The prosecutor remarked, Joss Stone associated with members of the royal family. Her concerns have been attended by members of it and she was invited to the royal wedding at the very end of April that year. Hence, she became a target. Morgan went on to detail the items found inside the men's vehicle, telling the jury, 
The Crown says with this arsenal of weapons, it is obvious they were intent upon serious violence. The would-be victim was the first witness to testify. Joss Stone has sold millions of albums worldwide, travelling the globe and playing to sell-out audiences. Today in court, the singer came face to face with the two men accused of conspiring to murder and to rob her. Giving her real name, Jocelyn Eve Stoker, she made only a brief appearance in court. She told the court that at the time she didn't use her burglar alarm and she didn't lock her doors. That relaxed attitude to security, she said, is common practice here in Devon, even for her. Joss Stone told the jury that she was utterly oblivious to the defendant's alleged plan until police arrived at her home that afternoon and informed her of what had happened. She said, Apart from someone coming around to say someone is trying to kill me, it was a really nice day. As Junior Bradshaw and Kevin Liverpool had driven to Joss's home, she was alone at the property. The jury were told that the singer's tour diary was private, but it was suggested that if somebody wanted to know whether she was home on a specific date, they could put two and two together with the help of her published concert dates. Under cross-examination by Kevin Liverpool's defence counsel, Philip King QC, Joss was asked whether she felt the need to keep quiet within the local community about where she lived. A witness responded, Everybody knows where everybody lives. I didn't really feel worried about it. I think I can say that for everybody who lives around there. Until now. Forensic evidence was also presented during the trial. Detective Sergeant Martin Sutcliffe told the jury that Junior Bradshaw's fingerprints were neither found on any of the weapons, nor could any of the notes or text messages relating to the murder plot be attributed to him. All of the fingerprints found on the evidence had come from Kevin Liverpool, who first refused to give investigators handwriting samples. During the second week of the trial, Junior Bradshaw took the stand. He told the courtroom that on the morning of their arrest, he didn't know where they were driving to. Once more, Bradshaw said he had never heard of Joss Stone before. Defence counsel Martin Meek QC asked him, The day you were arrested, you and Liverpool set off from his flat in Manchester, didn't you? I think so. Bradshaw replied. When questioned about where they were going, Bradshaw added, We were just going on a day out. Under cross-examination by Prosecutor Simon Morgan, Bradshaw was asked, You left at 2am. You know the difference between night and day. So where could you be going at 2am? I don't know. The defendant replied. Bradshaw also denied asking the postman Alex Greening where Joss Stone lived. Following Junior Bradshaw's testimony, some evidence regarding his mental health was presented. 
Dr. Michael Alcock told the jury that Bradshaw suffered from a mental illness that caused him to have incoherent and disorganised thoughts. The doctor said that Bradshaw had such a poor concept of time that he thought the alleged murder plot had occurred just two or three months ago, instead of almost two years ago. Dr. Alcock stated, He is not concerned that he has been in custody for 21 months. He is not fazed by the fact he has been locked up for so long. In a sense, his mental illness and learning difficulties are protecting him. If you ask him, he says it feels like two or three months. Ironically, his disorder is helping him get through. Each day is the same to him. He is like a goldfish in a bowl. It doesn't bother him. Dr. Alcock explained to the jury that Bradshaw often smiled for no reason at the wrong times. He repeated phrases such as, just chilling, and keeping my head down, regardless of the question that was asked. Furthermore, it was revealed that Bradshaw had been on medication, Resperidrone, which alleviated his symptoms. Still, when Bradshaw stopped taking it, it deteriorated his condition. Upon his release from the psychiatric hospital before his arrest, Bradshaw had stopped taking the medication. Dr. Alcock suggested that Bradshaw should have been monitored after he was released. Instead, he was allowed to move in with his co-defendant, Kevin Liverpool. Describing Bradshaw as very vulnerable, Dr. Alcock said, there were concerns about a man with his psychotic illness and learning difficulties. Normally such an individual would go to supported accommodation where social and care workers could monitor his mental state. He should be taking Risperidrone for the foreseeable future and probably lifelong, or until a better drug becomes available. His thinking is fragmented and disorganised. When he speaks, it is incoherent, because his thought is not logically chained together. Despite Dr Michael Alcock's expert testimony, the prosecution would call a counter-witness. Dr. Richard Latham, a forensic psychiatrist. Dr. Latham told the jury he agreed with the fundamental diagnosis of hebephrenic schizophrenia, but he disputed the effect it had on Bradshaw. The doctor explained that the illness comes and goes, and that based on Dr. Latham's findings, Bradshaw was capable of organised thought at the time of the alleged plot, and that he had not relapsed into schizophrenia in the weeks before it. Dr Latham highlighted the reports compiled by doctors and psychiatric nurses treating Bradshaw in the months leading up to his arrest, which described his condition as improving. Telling the jury that all the evidence pointed to Bradshaw being in a period of remission, Dr Latham stated... He was well at this stage. He was described as showing no evidence of active psychosis and that his judgment was sound. This is a detailed description of what he was like at the time. It is fairly clear he was well. He was as well as those looking after him had ever seen him. 
between January and May 2011, there was no real concern about his mental state. These are not just comments. There were detailed assessments which showed an absence of some of his previous symptoms. The overwhelming evidence is that he was not in a state of relapse at that time. Kevin Liverpool did not testify on his own behalf, and his defence counsel refused to call any witnesses. Philip King QC simply referred to the plot as nothing more than a bungled fantasy that would never be carried out, telling the court, The simple truth is that you have one, maybe two people who are incapable, bizarre, deluded incompetence. They were doing nothing other than living out a frightening fantasy. It was a frightening fantasy, but are you sure he intended real harm to occur in the real world? For the first time, it was revealed that Kevin Liverpool also suffered from schizophrenia and had disorganised thoughts. Philip King QC said that because of this his client was in medical terms empty of purpose, and therefore it made it impossible for him to take part in a conspiracy. King referred to Liverpool as removed from reality, highlighting some of the notes found in the flat as evidence of this. Further writing discovered that the property referred to acquiring machine guns, infrared sights and silencers. King said to the jury, He never got these things. He never got within a million miles of them. You have to consider whether these are just the lunatic ramblings of someone who was not very well. Junior Bradshaw's defence counsel Martin Meek QC argued during closing that the medical evidence showed his client was incapable of taking part in any such plot and reminded the jury that there was no forensic evidence linking Bradshaw to the weapons or the notes. After the jury retired, there would be an agreement on the charges. Junior Bradshaw and Kevin Liverpool were found guilty of conspiracy to rob and guilty of conspiracy to commit murder. Liverpool was handed a life sentence and ordered to serve a minimum of 10 years and 8 months in prison. In handing down the sentence, Judge Francis Gilbert QC said, You intended to rob her and kill her and dump her body in the river, according to your words and then leave the country with your accomplice, Junior Bradshaw. Bradshaw was told that he would be sentenced at a later date, and in July 2013, he learned he was to spend at least half of his 18-year sentence behind bars. Francis Gilbert QC said the jury's verdict showed that they believed Bradshaw knew full well what the purpose of the trip to Devon was. The judge remarked that Bradshaw had the, quote, capacity to join in the conspiracy to murder for purposes of obtaining money. Mm -hmm. 
He accepted that Liverpool was the mastermind behind the plot, but referred to Bradshaw as a foot soldier. I have no doubt that it was their intention to cause harm to Joss Stone, and they presented a serious risk to her. The two would-be attackers were described in court as fantasists, but police said they posed a serious threat. The judge said it was a crazy scheme by a crazy person. Both have mental health problems, and Bradshaw, who's a schizophrenic, was already on the sex offenders' register. After they were both found guilty, Joss Stone's mother came out of court to give her reaction. Joss would like to thank everybody for their support and all of their good wishes. Um, Joss and myself and indeed our whole family are relieved that the trial is now over and that these men are no longer in a position to cause harm to anyone. As both men were beginning their sentences... Joss Stone granted an interview to a reporter for the Mail on Sunday's event magazine. The singer spoke of Bradshaw and Liverpool. There was a big part of me that felt sorry for them, she said. Sorry for their mums. I kept thinking, what drives people to do something so awful as this? So where are we now? In May 2014, Junior Bradshaw and Kevin Liverpool appealed the length of their sentences. Their submissions would be heard before three judges at the court of appeal. Their arguments were successful when it was concluded that the trial judge had incorrectly applied the sentencing guidelines and did not take into account Liverpool's degree of culpability due to his mental state. The Court of Appeal announced that Liverpool would be eligible for parole in December 2017. However, he would still remain on licence for life. The sentence for Bradshaw was also reduced from 18 years to a minimum of 10, half of which he was expected to serve before he would be released on licence for the remainder of his sentence. Publicly available accounts do not indicate if Junior Bradshaw and Kevin Liverpool have been released. Thank you for listening. And special thanks to our Patreon supporters. For more information on this episode, please see the show notes or visit our website, theywalkamonguspodcast.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. 
United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.